You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everyone, everyone, everyone. Coast to coast from InsideCarolina.com. I'm your host, Joey Powell, 8 o'clock on the East Coast on a Sunday evening, as hopefully you all have, have become accustomed to. Shout out to everybody who's already in the chat, ready to be a part of the show. We love that you're here. love that you have taken time away from your shark week to be on the Coast to Coast podcast tonight. We will try to make it worth your while. How's that? Good? No? Elite level dad joke? Are we getting there? All right. Well, anyway, I'm glad that you guys are here. Uh, as always, Cheryl McMillan, Sean Moran are here with me. And we are brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. Cheryl McMillan, how are you, good sir? Much better than the last time we spoke. <laughs> man, you have rebounded and rebounded nicely. Sean, how are you, man? Doing well. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. Appreciate you bringing your A-games as usual. A lot to talk about in the world of UNC basketball. Let's get started with what I'm fairly certain is the end of the prep summer. Uh, Sherelle, do I have that correct? There's a couple of things going on, um, not terribly pertinent to, to UNC. For example, Jason Tatum had uh, an elite wing camp this past weekend. Um, a, a lot of the top High school wings and a few uh, good ones from, from college were in attendance as well. Very comparable to the CP3 Elite Camp. So that's the kind of event that's going to be happening the rest of July and into August. Uh, these kind of elite camps, CP3, Tatum, um, Elite 24, and UNC will be representative, uh, represented in some of those. But as far as like AAU basketball, yeah, that's, that's pretty much over. So what I'd like to do is go through and get you guys' overall uh, just feedback on how UNC's 24 targets did. Now, for folks that have just joined us, maybe you've been under a rock or whatnot this summer, but what was a four-person class for the University of North Carolina uh, is now a three-person class because Elliot Cadeau is officially on campus and with the squad. So we're going to reset UNC's three commitments for the 24 class right now, and Ian Jackson, uh, James Brown, get back, and uh, Drake Powell. Sean, I want to ask you first, what did you feel like James Brown accomplished this summer? And what do you feel like were, were probably some things he could still work on as he heads into his prep, his, his, his prep season? Well, I think it's still a little, little weird having, for the most part, one real, real live session. I know there was another AU and then the Scholastic ones, but used to having, you know, the Wednesday through Sunday, back to back to back weekends in, in July. So a little weird just knowing that it was really the first, first weekend uh that was was the main one everybody was focused on i would give him i would give him uh probably a, a b to b plus in terms of uh you know what what he 
he did at Peach Jam. Uh, I, I think if you're looking at that with the proper expectations, um, I mean, I think probably a little bit from where he was on the Mean Streets U16 team last year as one of the one of the uh, I'd say top three focuses this year is a little mixed in terms of where what he was doing and and how he was doing it. Uh, I think at MBPA top 100, he showcased a little bit of uh, uh, maybe some outside shooting that we hadn't seen outside of the 10 to 12 feet. But I think in in general, this year will be a big developmental year for him. I think he you know he he played to his skill set, which we know is is running hard, can do a little bit with with both hands, and is a strong rebounder. So overall, I give him a B to B plus in terms of the summer performance. Sherell, I want to ask you uh, your feelings on James Brown as well. Yeah, I think it was a new role for him, um, as Sean kind of mentioned, being with a new team. And so there was a filling out period. And I think kind of maybe the expectation that there was going to be a bigger role kind of never really materialized. So if you judge him based upon his role, then I think he did his role well. I think there's probably more that he could have done, uh, you know, with a different team uh, to showcase his individual skill set. <clears throat> but that's not what Mokan asked of him. Uh, so he just kind of did what, what they wanted him to do. And I think he, he did that fairly well. Um, I think he still got room to develop, still got room to improve. But, you know, we saw at MVPA that he, I think he led the camp in three-point shooting, which was not something we were expecting. And it's not like that was, you know, six or seven attempts. Like, it was it was decent volume, especially for someone uh, who, you know, purportedly is, is a post player. Um, we saw him handle the ball some. So I think you're seeing him try to show more of what he can do while also reminding himself of what kind of got him uh, the national attention and the UNC scholarship that he ultimately uh, took, you know, took. So which is, you know, being kind of the, you know, lack of a better term, the, the garbage man, like Armando Baycott calls himself, who was able to grab rebounds, who's able to score in the post. So I think it's, it's, it's still evolving. Um, I don't know if I have a specific grade, but I would say I think he did what he was asked to do. He showcased that he can do a little bit more. And now as he heads to um, kind of his first full year at Link, we're, we're hoping to see him expand his game more um, and kind of have that production and potential meet. Stay here for a second, Shrill. I know that his shooting ability was something that particularly drew the UNC coaches to him. Were you surprised to see him that confident in his stroke this summer? You know, talking to people behind the scenes, uh, you know, they, they kind of hinted that he could do it. Um, it was more of him being reserved and more of him not wanting to uh, maybe put himself out there uh, by, by doing it. Uh, so not surprised that he has the ability, surprised that he was able to showcase it at one of the more elite uh, events they have this summer. Outside of USA basketball, you could argue um, that NBA Top 100 was, you know, probably the most loaded because almost all of the top 20, 25 guys, which is the strongest class right now, were there. Um, so it was against really good competition, and he showcased that he was able to do it. And that's really all you can ask for at this level is can you do something and can you do it against the best players? And if so, then that's that's a feather in your cap, and you can kind of see if you can do it in college and, and moving forward. So <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm very interested to watch him at Link next year because I think he does have that kind of blow-up potential just because he's done different things in different ways at different types of programs, both AAU and in high school. And so now you're going to start to see, I think, all that experience come together and then the chance for him to kind of be 
books in basketball only at Link will only help them. Everybody you talk to who goes to Link, they say what a great decision it was because, again, no, no shade to Branson, Missouri, but there's not much else to do <laughs> other than be in your books and play basketball. And, um, you know, Jacoby Walter is going to play at Baylor. Uh, Cadeau, you know, obviously coming to Carolina. And the list goes on and on. They just talk about how valuable that time at Link is. And I think Brown is, is looking forward to re- continuing to reshape his body and becoming a better player after the season. And if you need some more examples of what a season at Link can do for a player, look no further than Elliot Cadeau. And then also the, you know, the interview I did with uh, Tyler Haddad, Elliot's uh, longtime trainer and, and coach, uh, he raved about how Elliot was able to just focus on high-level basketball during his time there. All right, Sean, next guy on the list, Ian Jackson. Um, Captain Jack Jr., as some folks have dubbed him. I uh, don't know if we've used that on this show yet, but uh, Ian Jackson had his own uh, chances in different places to show out this year just because uh, he was playing in some different places as opposed to some of the other uh, UNC commits. Give me your general impression of how you feel like uh, Jackson acquitted himself this summer. I would give uh, I give him a B plus. I think he played played well on the Adidas circuit. Uh, you know, some of the highlights that came out of some of those games were were pretty impressive in terms of really being able to score at, at all different levels. And I, I know that's been an improvement point for him from early on. Uh, was was he was a, a guard that could score, but from a shooting perspective, he needed to work on that. And you could start to see some of that last summer. And I think from the high school season into this season, he's been able to showcase uh, the three point shot. Uh, showcase being able to get to the rim. Uh, but I think, you know, why it wasn't an A, you go to USA Basketball. Um, he, he didn't have the greatest uh, tournament playing on on uh, the U19 team. Um, and I think you saw some of the other high school guys get a little more playing time, get a little more uh, maybe comfortable in that situation, even though he's had a few USA situations in, in general. So, you know, that I think having all that experience um, under his belt will be tremendous, you know, when, when the time does come next year, but in terms of the grade, I give a, a B plus, but still excited to see uh, what he could potentially do. I sure mentioned a few things coming up and uh, hoping he might be at the Adidas all American camp uh, in, in August, just given that's been the circuit he's been playing on. But then again, seeing him, seeing him in high school, uh, cause he is, he has a talent and, you know, he's, he's going to be a guy that can score from day one uh, next season. Sherelle, we've seen Jackson's ranking kind of fluctuate a little bit and, and people will always look towards, all right, who has moved up uh, sometimes can affect a player's ranking more than that player potentially falling off or moving down. I want to ask you, what specifically did you expect to see from Ian Jackson this summer? And what did you see from him? And are there any gaps or things that you feel like okay, this should have been addressed and, and may not have been? Or did you see some things that maybe he attacked that that were a nice little bonus for his all-around game? I would say kind of continued evolution as a player. Uh, you might not notice it uh, from day to day, but it's kind of incremental change and improvement. Uh, with him, it, it's almost to the point where, I think we talked about this on the message board as well, where would you have been in the public eye for so long and ranked so high for so long that people kind of get bored with you. They're kind of like, oh, there's Ian Jackson. He's number five in the class. You know, he's been there for three years. You know, everybody's watched him 40 games of his since he was a freshman. They watched him play with the Wiz kids, you know, 50 times since he was a freshman. It's like you kind of know what you're going to get. And a lot of times, I think, in recruiting, we fall victim to it too. When you know what you're going to get, it's not as exciting for whatever reason. 
And so, uh, you know, he's a, he's, he's a, a player who's continuing to evolve, but he also is kind of the same player that, that he was. And I don't mean that in a negative, but he can score uh, w- with the best of them. Uh, he could shoot, you know, he's definitely gotten better there. He can handle the ball some. I think that's an area for improvement. Um, when he needs to play defense, he can. Obviously, at the high school and AAU level, I don't think he's asked to do it a ton just because it, there's so much energy put on it, so, so much energy used um, on the offensive side, but he can do it. And when he when he puts his mind to it, I think he's done it. And then he's, again, just, you know, similarly to, uh, I was talking about James Brown, but he's competed and played at the highest level you can play at, play at in high school basketball. I mean, he's done USA. He's done MBPA. He's done Pangos multiple times. He plays on the Adidas circuit, but he also plays these guys um, <clears throat> at other events throughout the year. He plays in a really tough league up in New York. So uh, I, I would say I think he is a very good player, but I think people almost forget about him. He's, he's almost gone from like, oh, North Carolina got the number two player in the <laughs> class to like, oh, number six, Ian Jackson, almost to like underrated, uh, almost. And I'm not saying he's quite there, but almost yeah. just because he's been in the spotlight for so long. So, um, yeah, just a, a dynamic scorer, a, a, you know, dynamic guard, which is what Hebrew Davis is looking for. And, I'm going he- to speak to Sherelle's heart real quick, Sean. Uh, how many different Avengers movies can be awesome, right? <laughs> like if you've seen one awesome Avengers movie, you know, oh. it's, it's like, like what, what other, what other levels of awesome can they break out that, that might be totally new for you? Well, that's where Marvel is struggling with right now is that, you know, after Endgame, it's like, okay, <laughs> we you see it. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. yeah. So I'm um, just trying to get into, to, to Sherelle's wheelhouse a little more there. If there's anything he, he loves more than, more than watching ball, that's probably it is, is, is Marvel movies. Sean, go ahead, man. For, for Jackson, it was around this time last year uh, when the last live period was and, uh, kind of watched him playing a year up on the U17 circuit at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and UNC was recruiting him, but, uh, you know, late July, nobody thought UNC was going to be getting him for the most part. Uh, but I remember when inter- interviewing him and kind of asking the question, hey, have you thought about reclassing? And it really stemmed from, hey, here's a guy playing on U17s, already pretty much one of the top players on that, on that U17 circuit last year. Uh, he'd already played USA basketball, U17s, and had done well high school-wise. So the question was, you're already at that level from a high school perspective. You know, what does another year do? But I think I think another year will be beneficial just as he continues to evolve his game uh, and, and does get ready for the college level, uh, and especially the NBA, which I know is the ultimate goal for him. Let me jump in too, Joey. It's uh, July 23rd. So can't hundred percent ever close the door on anything, but I think we're pretty sure that Ian Jackson is not reclassing. That was a big thing, as Sean said, for about the last year. And the question has been asked and asked and asked, but I think, you know, it'd be very difficult to do now. He said over and over that he's staying in 2024. So I think we can start to kind of move forward from that. And with him, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, he was, he had kind of scheduled himself to come down to Chapel Hill um, in April. Uh, during his spring break, and it, the, the scheduling just didn't work out with some of his parents' stuff and some of his coaches' stuff. Um, but official visits kind of reset on August 1st. So um, more than likely, we'll just see him in Chapel Hill, I'd imagine, on an official visit uh, for his senior year sometime after August 1st. Gotcha. Appreciate the update and the clarification there. Uh, Sean, last guy I want to go to is is Drake Powell. And we have talked about 
uh, Cousin Drake ad nauseum here, but I don't know that you can say enough good things about how well he has matured, uh, the trajectory that his game is on, and just the trend uh, of, of how polished he has become in just a matter of months this summer. Sean, uh, I've I've given him a lot of superlatives. Sherelle has given him a lot of superlatives. Uh, you have very much been on the, the Drake bandwagon as well. I don't think you're as high on Drake as you were, uh, Elliot Godot, but how, how are you walking away from this summer feeling about Drake Powell versus maybe what you thought about him uh, in, say, you know, the scholastic period in, in February or March? Well, I think going into this period, the biggest question I think all of us had was how was he going to perform at the highest level, uh, given what he had been able to elevate his game up to in that scholastic level? Because uh, I think one year ago, he was he was good. He was good enough to earn a scholarship and good enough to commit, but he wasn't a guy that just dominated, uh, which all of a sudden in high school, he kind of flipped that switch. And that first EYBL period in the spring, he answered everybody's questions and he was first first team. And then after that, it kind of uh, almost a, a downward downward slump a little bit um, throughout the rest of the EYBL. Uh, went to the U17 tryouts, didn't make the team, uh, went to Pangos in Vegas and didn't make the all-star game. Um, so I wasn't at either of those because can't really comment too much. But the Peach Jam was his way of, of I think, answering um, all that. So from a grade perspective, in terms of the July periods, I would, you know, give him a, a solid A bordering on on A plus in terms of what he did do uh, from a Peach Jam perspective and some of the stats that he put up, especially those first four games uh, where each game he seemed to add something different, you know, including that uh, huge double double that he had uh, the last game, which his team needed to win. Uh, it was the only game he scored in, in single digits, but he went nine of 18 from the three point line in, in Peach Jam. And I think he made nine threes in total the first four EYBL period. So that's really going to be his, the main part of his game that can that continue to evolve and can he continue to show consistency? Cause you see the high 70, 80% free throw shooter that he is uh, mixed in with that athleticism and, and the defense. And last time we, we talked about how high his ceiling is just given that size, athletic ability and the want uh, to play defense and do other things and just score. So to, to me, an A, A plus, uh, I think everybody should be extremely excited about him, although probably less time in Chapel Hill than expected uh, when he was offered, most likely. But, you know, him staying close and playing high school in the area and then coming to Chapel Hill, uh, I think, you know, everybody should be extremely excited about what he's going to bring. Let's stay on that vein just a little bit. Sherelle, is is Drake Powell kind of writing a bit of a, a made-for-Disney movie here? I mean, he he exploded so much this past summer. And now, as you've uh, foretold and then confirmed this past week on the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards, he's going back for another year at Northwood because he wants to win a title. So clearly, not only does he have the physical skills, but now he's got a mentality of really just wanting to take his team to the promised land. How much more attractive as a potential college player can Drake Powell get at this point? Um, not much, I, I would say. I, I think the main thing is uh, he has to maintain or probably even work even harder uh, to, to stay where he is. Uh, let, let, me, let me start over. He has to work harder than he did before to maintain where he is now because mm. 
uh you know not to use cliches but you know the whole hunted hunter hunted thing it is a lot easier when you're tracking somebody down but it's a lot harder to kind of stay at the top once you get there and he might not be number one but he's in that top five discussion i think for 24 7. um so it is a fairy tale story, but he has to continue to to work and continue to improve because there is there are still room there is still room for growth. He is, I would say, cl- pretty complete, you know, as a two way player right now in high school. But his goals obviously no longer are be really good only in high school or have a good college career. You know, he's he's now thinking like, okay, I can I can be a lottery pick. You know, how high can I go? Is kind of where he's at now. So. Um, it can be a Ferris tale story, but he has to continue doing what he did before. Um, you know, he, he hasn't arrived, I guess, is, is the point. Um, but I would say the other thing, as far as Drake is concerned, for like Carolina fans and, and people in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area, the, the times of a top five kid staying at a public school, a 2A public school that used to be 3A, are, are slim. Like, it, it's, it's not going to happen many more times ever. So my advice would be to kind of soak up this Northwood season, not put pressure on Pal, um, but you're going to have the opportunity to see something that is maybe never happen again, but definitely won't happen often. Um, and I think, you know, we, we talked about it and I might be betraying confidences here, but <clears throat> we plan to cover it that way um, because it is a unique story of the hometown kid with uh, Carolina grad parents deciding to stay home after he commits to the hometown school. And now he's gonna try to win the hometown school, the state title that uh, either they've never won or it's been quite some time. So it is, it's a dramatic story on and off the court. Uh, and you know nobody wants to talk about this, but if you're like a, a business in Hillsboro or Pittsburgh or Durham or Chapel Hill, like Drake Powell's kind of your, your signature NIL athlete for that reason. Mm-hmm. Like he's someone mm-hmm. you would really be interested in um for, for those reasons so i think staying at northwood has a lot of benefit for him but i also think it's something that the, the community is going to rally around as well um that does put extra pressure on him but i think he's ready for it ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Well, I, I hope uh, I hope you can take a commission uh, from from some of those that that come down the. No, I mean. 
it's just seriously like it's 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 perfect it's already written for you all you just got to do is like just throw this, the drake powell sticker on there but like this is this is drake powell for bob's tire, <laughs> right, tire barn. Yeah. when i'm yeah. driving to the lane i like to drive right to bob's tire barn for a new set of michelins yeah i'll <laughs> see you working dude sean yeah. go ahead um i think i fully agree with what sherelle was was saying and there especially where he might be uh you know come 2025 so there's still a lot of work to be done for him and, and still a lot of improvement. But I think when we're looking at these rankings, especially the, the end of year rankings, uh, and as we're talking, we're always talking about potential. And I think it's always exciting to see when that potential um, meets production, which it has been uh, for, for Powell, you know, really starting from the high school season into the AAU season. And I'd say more often than not, it, it'll, it, it stays in stays potential for a lot of the kids and, and they never realize the production. Maybe it's after college or, or maybe it just doesn't, doesn't happen. So I think seeing that initial switch, uh, the gear that was switched really last, last fall um, and knowing that there's still more potential there, but at the same time he is um, you know, the production is matching the ranking uh, and, and it's not just fully based on potential. Because now, yeah, it, it, now that it, it goes back to Ian Jackson, now that Drake Powell is in the top ten, there's a different level of scrutiny that comes with being in the top ten. There's a different mm -hmm. level of competition of, of uh, what you're going to get from other players. So he's going to have to find a way not only to to match that, but to surpass it to kind of continue his his trajectory. All right, and that's that kind of gives everyone a, a little bit of a synopsis as to what's going on with the. The three 24 or class of 24 UNC commitments and how they performed over the summer. Again, there's been a ton of stuff uh, written and then video analyzed by Sean and, and uh, Sherelle on the site. So go check that out if you haven't. Uh, there's still plenty of content to be had before football gets cranked up. Somebody else that kind of slid into UNC's 24 radar, uh, and I'm still not certain that this is a real name, but Johnny Furphy uh, from Australia. Sherelle, you want to give anybody um, – any nuggets or anything that you've been able to learn about that in the last week or so? Honestly, uh, nothing. Uh, the NBA Academy, which is kind of <clears throat> where his school, uh, the center of excellence plays out of, um, they, they don't share much and we, nobody wants to hear about the inner side of it, but we, we're working on it. <laughs> we're trying to get more information. Uh, I think things are happening behind the scenes and we're just trying to figure those out. But uh, publicly there's been no, uh, visit date said or, or anything like that. But we do kind of can glean that I think UNC and Eric Bossi, uh 24-7's national uh, director of recruiting has talked about this on some of the message boards. We do think North Carolina is looking at him as a 2023 wing, not 2024. That's not to say that, you know, things could change and maybe they look at him later for 2024. Um, but our understanding is that they're, they're happy with the 2024 class um especially on the wing for obvious reasons they have two top 10 wings mm -hmm. in 2024 and they're they're looking to kind of buttress the roster in 2023 with a wing and, and furphy fits that description so we'll just have to wait and see if there if there are visits um if those happen and uh the deadline i would say for him uh school starts in about a month so uh if he is going to reclass in the 23 whether it be at carolina or elsewhere uh you're looking at him having to make a decision within the next month and obviously, you know, one of the reasons that Inside Carolina is the best at what we do is that we're not going to report anything unless we've been able to confirm it with multiple sources. And, you know, while there may be uh, folks on social media and on uh, on various mediums that might say otherwise, you know, if it comes 
from inside Carolina, you can know that it's been vetted multiple times. And uh, if there is news to break on that front, obviously we'll we'll get out in front of it and you'll hear from Sherelle uh, or Sean or Ben or someone. Uh, so just stay tuned about that. Uh, and then the last thing I want to talk about some recruiting for the summer is uh, there's been a lot of, of, I guess, movement on offers going out for the 25s. Uh, we've kind of recapped them all. I don't want to go through the entire list here, but uh, Sherelle, is there any major takeaways that you have from the 25 class based on activity this summer that you might be able to distill down into a, a minute or two? Yeah, it's, it's a really good class. Uh, I think the last time we talked about it, we said maybe we're overcompensating because 2022 20, through 2024 haven't been great. Um, but there's a, a lot of good players, a lot of good power forwards or, or stretch forwards or whatever you want to call them in the class and we know that's a huge position for north carolina we know they've offered pretty much every single one of them already uh, except for cooper flag uh, <clears throat> excuse me so I, I guess the next thing is just starting to see where and where and when these guys start setting official visits because the timelines have been sped up a little bit i think we also talked about this at some point a couple of weeks ago and you're seeing more players commit i would say during their junior years especially the fall semester of their junior years than, than ever before um so start talking about Koa Pete and Caleb Wilson and Bryson Tiller and uh, Cameron and Caden Boozer. Um, I'm not trying to name everybody. Isaiah Harwell, um, all the guys that UNC has offered, especially at that kind of stretch four position. And we'll just monitor, you know, starting August 1st where they're visiting and, and go from there. And obviously, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to go through and run down the entire list of what UNC's had, you know, what UNC has had contact with. But I think Shrill's major takeaways are visits will probably start happening soon. Again, notice how deep and strong this class is, uh, especially around the top. Uh, Shrill, last question I'll ask you about recruiting, uh, and then we can move on. Do you feel like the staff is treating things differently because of the way some of the COVID year signees panned out? Not just in North Carolina, but around the country. Um, uh, you know, some of these COVID signees didn't get to play as much, so when they were offered or maybe the expectations on them around their rankings or whatever, never made it to fruition. Have you seen anything different in North Carolina staff and how they're approaching uh, recruiting since, you know, the way COVID went down? Well, at the top of my head, I guess you would say, obviously rankings aren't everything. I, I'm more of a buckets person than a rankings person. Um, but in the 23, 24 and 25 classes, it's been mostly kind of elite, elite guys obviously drake powell when he was offered was i believe in the 50s but you start going through all the offers in each class and it's like there's not many people outside of the top 30. so i think that could be an adjustment because um as we've seen when you target some of the players in, in that area maybe the expectation between what the staff wants or envisions as that person's role and what the player wants maybe they're not exactly aligned or maybe there's miscommunication about what that could be um, if you take a player who's ranked, say, 85, um, maybe as a coaching staff, you're like, yeah, you know, you come in, you'll maybe get some playing time as a freshman. And, and then our hope is that as a sophomore, you can really, you know, progress and, and get a lot of playing time. Whereas, you know, top 80 freshman is more like, I want to play. Um, mm -hmm. So I think you're seeing less UNC offers in that area and more focus on the elites. And then you use the transfer portal um, to kind of uh, fill in the gaps of the elites that you don't get. Um, just thinking about it for half a second, that's kind of a trend I, I think is, is happening with UNC a little bit. I think it's a pretty good encapsulation. I, I think folks have seen that. I think 
most folks that don't follow, you know, and I don't know why you wouldn't follow by listening to this show regularly, but folks that don't follow things as, as closely as, as some subscribers may see the big influx of transfers and it may still feel weird to them. Um, I think this year obviously was a, a high amount of, of influx, but I don't think, as you said, Sheryl, I don't think it's going to be a rarity moving forward. Maybe not six guys added to the roster, but there may be, you know, three or four a year, uh, depending on how things go. And until you know, coaches figure out this new landscape with transferring in NIL, I think, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, to your point, that the days of the five or six man high school class are over. Yeah. That is the only reason it, there was a chance that it was going to happen this year is just because UNC had been in on Jaron Stevenson for so long. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if he had committed, Elliot could reclass. So it still wouldn't have been a five-man class. Like those days, if that happens, it's going to be exceedingly rare moving forward. Well, and likely will indicate a, a pretty big problem, major exodus, something like that, that isn't of the norm of a college basketball program. One thing I do think you have seen uh, maintain, you know, stability and, and keep that steadiness uh, around college basketball, despite NIL, despite the transfer portal, uh, despite coaches moving around. Uh, and that's the stability of, of offerings and, and selection at Johnny T-Shirt. Uh, I think that Johnny T-Shirt is going to continue as it has for decades on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill uh, to offer high level stuff. I, I, I can't see, but I'm looking at my man's phone there, and I'm just getting a really good glare. I'm assuming that's a Johnny T. Oh, it is. See, Sherelle's got Johnny T-shirt pulled up on his phone because he knows that they are the one-stop shop for UNC gear. Uh, if you are looking for UNC gear to round out your summer, uh, if you want a nice tank to rock over to the pool while the kids are splashing around in somebody else's pee, go get you a tank from Johnny T-shirt, right? Um, if you are headed out to a cookout and where you eat barbecue, not a barbecue where you eat food, a cookout where you eat barbecue, uh, you can go by and grab you a, a nice little button-up Hawaiian-style Guayabara shirt from Johnny T-Shirt with the UNC logo on it. Uh, multiple brands, all different styles. They've got, I don't care what your taste is, they've got you taken care of. Hit Johnny T-Shirt up, johnnytshirt.com. Premium subscribers to IC know you get that extra 10% if you use the code found on the premium message boards. And they've been supporting us for a long time, y'all, so make sure you give them some love as well. Uh, don't show up to the season opener in Charlotte with old gear. Johnny T-shirt can take care of you. East Franklin Street, right there in Chapel Hill. Love them. Appreciate them. Thank them for sponsoring the show. Uh, We're going to let John, our producer, drop some ads in here for those of you who are listening on podcasts. Those of you who are still watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you being here. Uh, Sherelle, you got one more thing you want to add about recruiting before we move on to some current roster stuff. Yeah, so I I neglected to mention there is – there is an event this weekend uh, because we've never been and because it's fairly new and because they took a couple of years off. Uh, the NCAA academies are something we don't know a ton about, um, <laughs> but coaches can go to these. Um, and it's, it's, it's a little complicated. Uh, we'll, we'll drop the link on the message board, but there are multiple paths that you can be invited to these NCAA academies, whether it's through USA basketball, whether you kind of submit as an, as an individual or whether you submit like through your AAU team. So uh, these are in Memphis, as far as I can tell, um, and the coaching staff can be there. Um, I know some teams like Team Takeover um, have chosen the, the team path, and, and they'll be there. I know guys like Tyler Jackson, um, who uh, has gotten some UNT attention, will be there. Um, but it, it's very hit or miss, so we'll, we'll kind of really just have to see what happens as far as the reports and, and who's there. Um, but it, it's, 
very complicated, but it is a chance for coaches to watch guys um, in a different setting one final time before July ends. I'm actually a little shocked um, that that this has kind of been a thing and that uh, we haven't heard about this before, but uh, who knows? We'll see what uh, what comes out of this. And, and appreciate you dropping that into the note as well, Cheryl. It's, uh, it's important for folks to pick up on. All right, guys, what do you say we move on to some current roster stuff? Uh, as you're listening, as we're recording this, I don't know when you're listening to it, but as as we're recording this, the, uh, the UNC team has been out in uh, the Outer Banks this week. They did an NIL signing, uh, I believe, Friday night or Saturday night, but they've been uh, they've been throwing down, enjoying themselves. There's been some photos circulating on uh, on social media of, of some really large dudes riding on uh, jet skis and whatnot. So, obviously, this team is using uh, the trip out to the Outer Banks as a chance to bond, uh, as a chance to try to get closer together. And that brings me to what I want to talk about from this past week, and that's Hubert Davis's first media availability or public media availability since like March, I believe, or maybe April. Um, Sean, I'll come to you first. What did you take away from Hubert Davis's comments? And, and was there anything that that either made you scratch your head or made you, I guess, feel like well, maybe they've got something figured out so far? Um, I think one thing as I was reading through some of the quotes again today, just the acknowledgement of where, where they were from a shooting perspective and moving the basketball perspective in the ACC, uh, that at least they weren't trying to run from, from that and where they finished last year. Uh, you know, at the same time, when you started going through some of the reviews on the new players and what they, what they bring and uh, some of the, the comments, you know, a, a little bit was, was still uh, the, uh, glass glass fully full uh type of type of uh the overflowing glass if you will (laughs) yeah um but you know i I think at the same time for me reading reading those a lot of it is let's let's see once the season begins especially around developing the bench and and playing the bench right now there's 11 scholarship guys and you know really all 11 are going to be expecting to to play if not play significantly and uh, you know, how, how is that going to shape out? How of the guys that, that stuck around the freshmen, the sophomores, how are they going to, what's their improvement level? Um, you know, the, the new guys coming in are older and, and experienced. Can they, can they gel, which I think they should, they seem, especially from a character perspective, fairly egoless. Um, and I think you have at least two guys who can bring maybe some more outspoken leadership in terms of Cormac Ryan and, and Wojcik. And then, you have Elliot Cadeau, the passing wizard, and how does he fit in? Um, so, you know, it sounded sounded great, uh, but I think Hubert Davis, like, he, he does have a gift of, gift for words, whether it's uh, talking about the players or recruiting. Uh, but I think this season will be, especially the beginning, how does that look on the court? Yeah, uh, Sean, I think everybody can agree with the, the uber positivity. And that was something that, you know, people said about Hubert Davis long before he took this job was just how positive he is. Obviously that's not going to change. And, and it's hard a little bit, I think for most folks to kind of decipher, like how much of this is Hubert being positive, how much of it is, is actually taking place. Cause again, he's seen these guys, they've had practices. He's been around these guys. Nobody would know better than him. Uh, Sherelle, how do you decipher what might be just a really positive, you know, coaches, um, coach's reaction and, and what actually might be 
might be legit, you know, legit talk here. How do you, how do you take that? Um, I think you just have to understand that the, you know, the person talking is, is optimistic and, and a positive person by nature. And that's how they're going to be. And you just have to use your own ability to kind of discern and, and, and filter, um, through that positivity and, and find those little nuggets. I think to Sean's point, the acknowledgement that they didn't shoot good last year and <laughs> their chemistry on the court, you know, wasn't the best. I think maybe that's the first time I, I've seen that kind of acknowledged. Mm -hmm. it, he didn't, he didn't even say that their chemistry wasn't good last year. He basically said, Oh, this year's team's chemistry is good so far, which to me is a way of saying last year's team's chemistry maybe wasn't the best on the court. So just little things like that. Um, uh, the ball movement piece was uh, maybe the first time we've kind of heard that acknowledged. So I, I think there are positive steps and in, in general, um, I think you just have to understand the person who's talking, understand where they're coming from, kind of meet them there and use your own, you know, filters, like I said before, to kind of arrive at what the actual kind of point is. And, and it's not a negative. I think, you know, Hubert Davis, I don't think particularly cares about what we think or um, about what media thinks. And, and I think he's always trying to deliver a positive message to his guys that says, I believe in you. Um, and that's where you get some of the some of the, those um, statements. But I, I'm also at the point where it's kind of like, what else would you want him to say? Would you want yeah. him? I, I guess people sometimes just want that that pound of flesh. They want him to be like, they're <laughs> terrible. They're awful. Well, then when where you give him the pound of flesh, they're not happy. Like, yeah, and then you give him pound of flesh. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's kind of like, well, why is he throwing the kids under the bus? So yeah, it is a little bit of a, a no win situation uh, for Hebert, I think. Um, but but overall, I, I thought that the tenor of the press conference was was fairly positive. Um, I do think you're seeing someone who is maturing into being a head coach again. This is not an excuse. This is just facts. This is only his third season entering yeah. his third season as a head coach ever. You know, really at any uh, you know level. I don't want to say that matters, but at uh, you know the Division One level, he has the JV stuff, but never before a head coach before that. So yeah. I think that has to be remembered that he's still growing into it, um, and I think. The guys that he recruited and um, the guys who are on the team now, outside of Cadeau, they all have a, a, a stench they want to get rid of. You know, Brown was not good. Notre Dame was not good. Louisville was one of the worst <laughs> ACC teams of all time. North Carolina had arguably, the, you know, the biggest collapse of all time from preseason yeah. number one to not making the tournament. So outside of Cadeau, they all have that, and I think they're all eager to get rid of it. And that kind of losing will humble you you know, whether it's the coaching staff or the players, and it will make you do things and um, make you work harder and, and make you, uh, you know, cooperate and make you build that chemistry to ensure that that never happens again. So I, I take that as a positive. I know some people are like, well, they went and got, you know, two two players from the two of the worst teams in ACC and another team that couldn't win the, the Ivy, you know, but uh, I think there's an alternative way to look at it that uh, those guys have, for, for lack of a better phrase, I think, you know, Roy would always say he hates cool. I don't think there's a lot of cool on the mm. roster this year. No. And I think that is a welcome sign considering um, some of the personalities and the roster UNC's had probably the last five years. So last point I want to kind of get out of you guys, and I think this is a great segue for it, Sherelle. Uh, he mentioned some of the personality traits of some of the new additions. And I think that, again, we're not quite reading tea leaves with Hubert Davis, but it's pretty close. Uh, and, and trying to figure out, you know, what is he saying and what is he not saying and then and kind of parsing some of that together. I think some of the comments about Cormac Ryan's leadership ability 
uh, Jalen Withers' excitement and energy, uh, I think, are probably going to fall on, on very welcome ears amongst the fan base and IC subscribers. Uh, was there anything about that, that that maybe you did not expect or uh, that, that at least got your attention, Sean? No, I mean, I think it's, a, it's an important aspect, and I think an, an aspect that uh, was often questioned last year in terms of uh, the players enjoying enjoying playing with each other, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I think from the beginning in terms of Cormac Ryan, as an example, you can tell he has, uh, you know, he's, he's been around for a while, but has a little bit of that fiery personality and, and maybe a little underrated defensively. So he's bringing a little bit of everything to the, the table. I think a lot less was known about Jalen Withers in terms of maybe what, what he's bringing outside of three point shooting and some size. So I think, you know, for me, hearing about that was a, a welcome sign. But at the same time, uh, you know, once once October and November come around, all that kind of goes out the window in terms of, you know, how yeah. is everybody looking on the court? Uh, but I think when they're looking at the transfer portal, they were trying to identify guys that were helping, you know, one, from a talent perspective, two, to a role perspective shooting, but but also from a chemistry perspective and how can you – fit in with the two pieces that they had returning with RJ and Armando. Shrill, same thing. Did you see anything about these kids' personalities that maybe you didn't expect when they announced that they were transferring to Chapel Hill? At least from Co- at least from Coach Davis's comments. Not really. Not not trying to be a no at all. But you know, when when you when you look at quarterback Ryan play, it, I, I, let me let me phrase it this way. I don't mean this to sound bad, but North Carolina didn't really have any jerks on the team last year. Right. They didn't have anybody who like got under opposing team skin uh who just harassed you and bothered you and annoyed you and made you not want to play them anymore and i think cormac ryan as we saw in chapel hill did that to carolina and mm-hmm. i think that's probably part of the appeal was they needed that again we talk about it all the time when a football team has a ground and pound you know offense and, and they're winning 17 and 14 when they fire the coach they're going air raid no matter yeah. what it's going to happen yeah. just like air flip. raid is going to go it's going to flip and so um i keep talking about overcompensating but I don't think it's that necessarily, but they, they saw voids in uh, certain spots. I think that's one of them, you know, kind of the, the, the agitator. Um, I guess they saw a void in leadership. They saw voids in uh, overall basketball IQ. They saw voids in kind of fitting in. They saw voids in shooting ability, and they tried to address those. Even with the guys they didn't get, um, a couple of the names that we know, uh, I think they definitely that was top of mind. So they definitely had a plan going in to address some of these needs. Now, we'll see on the other side if there were some things that maybe they overlooked um, by going so hard at the things that they lacked last year or if it's kind of uh, a a better balance. But to Sean's point, in the end, the whole thing, the whole thing is constructed around Armando Baycott and RJ Davis. Let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah, still, that is, that's the whole thing. the, the, The plan is, how do we get the best team around RJ Davis and Armando Baycott? Because this is the last year that they're going to have both. So how do we fill in those gaps? How do we, you know, do things that help them? How do we do things where they can help other people? And again, we'll, we'll see, you know, talk is, is great, but I think we're all slightly jaded uh, from last year. So a little bit. just wanting to see what things look like in October, November, and as the season progresses. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's move on and start taking some questions from our, uh, the folks here in the chat here tonight. And again, shout out to everybody who's, who's been a part of the show so far. Um, first question from uh, Larry Charles out here in the, in the chat says, Hey guys, always look forward to your live content. 
I'm tuned in all the way from Antigua in the Caribbean. And he gives us the little thumbs up. Really hoping on a freshman update. So first off, Larry, I appreciate you being here. But bro, if I'm in Antigua, I ain't looking at Joey Powell's face or listening to Sherelle McMillan or Sean Moran's voice. <laughs> I am, I'm doing other things. But all that aside, we appreciate you making time for us in your vacation. If you want to bring us back some um, uh, some stuff from the duty-free, feel free. Uh, fellas, I want to ask you, um, I, and I think it's a good question. I've seen a couple of folks asking the same thing. Hoping for an update on the freshman. Cheryl, I'm going to come to you first. Is, so far, Elliot Cadeau, has he been as advertised in the times the team have been able, that the team has been able to play together? So uh talked to two people kind of familiar with things going on, and, and they've been very impressed. Obviously, he missed some time uh, when he first got there. He had a little ankle thing. Um, but I think what they're most impressed about is the maturity level on the basketball court. I think the, the passing and, and all that stuff, yeah, it's there. But just the, the pace and, and the style in which he plays, I think, maybe caught them off guard, even though you've seen it with Link and you saw it with uh, with uh, New Heights on the AAU season, I think seeing it in person has surprised a few people of just how steady and calm and, and um, how much he wants to listen and how much he wants to improve. Uh, so that's just from a couple of people. I haven't heard as much um, on Zayden High. I would imagine he's still kind of feeling his way through, but uh, no specifics to Sharon High um, that we've gotten from you know folks around the building. Sean, I'm, I'm asking you this because you were such a proponent of of Cadeau's transition to Chapel Hill and uh, and you were kind of the, the loudest dude on the bus, which, again, I'm not criticizing, just pointing out that, you know, you were you were all about this. There's been a little bit shown in some of the clips released by you know, UNC's official social media. What's something that our listeners or our viewers can look for early in the season to be able to determine if it's going to work out with Elliot Cadeau as quickly as folks hope it will? Uh, is there one or two things that you feel like people should kind of hone in on to see if, if is this thing going to be as advertised? Uh, great, great question. I think uh, this kind of goes to, uh, uh, I saw Thomas Yancey post about it earlier in terms of the, the fast break offense. I think the, the Don't go question, jumping ahead of my questions, bro. Well, you, I've, I've, you, I've got to tee them up as best I can. Now you're, you're, you're messing me up. You're making it where it's going to be hard for me, and I don't do well when things are difficult. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. Um, That's all right, bro. I think, you know, how, how him and RJ, uh, both offensively and defensively work together is the, the biggest question, which I don't have. I don't think anybody has an answer for unless you've been seeing them on a, on a daily basis. But I think uh, last year, the fast break was, was non-existent when they did get in the fast break, nobody passed the ball. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just, you know, dribbling, dribbling up the court. So the, the first time we see, uh, you know, Cadeau get it from, from the free throw line off a rebound and and throw it three quarters uh, for a streaking layup or dunk or or an alley oop in the half court set. I think that's when we'll say, okay, this you know this this helps uh, this brings a different dimension to the offense that UNC has not had since you know we could say maybe Theo, but really Kendall Kendall Marshall. Um, and does this help? You know, does this help RJ almost become a, a better scorer or, or give him better yeah. better shots? So. I think, you know, just in terms of the, the fast break, I don't expect them to go back to the up-tempo Roy Williams style, uh, you know, fully, but at the same time, trying to get some easier baskets. And I think Cadeau will be front and center for that. So that's what I would be looking for in terms of, hey, is this is this going to work with, with Cadeau reclassing slash Cadeau and, and RJ uh, playing together? I would expect to, and I want folks to understand this, 
you can be a fast team and not rely heavily to what Sean said about Roy Williams. You can be a fast team and not rely heavily on a secondary break. You know, you can be a fast team and still run, uh, again, lobs out of a half court, um, you know, quick action out of a half court to get a good shot quickly. Uh, and so that, you know, the other team doesn't have as, as much time to pressure uh, or, or put pressure on your offense. Um, and Sean, I remember you and I talking about this last year at some point, may have been before we even got on the air one night, but, you know, there was a time last year, and I can I can probably think it happened multiple times, where UNC had a three-on-O break and didn't score. <laughs> uh, or at least there was a three-on-one break where they didn't score. And I can remember just, you know, I, I don't know how that happens, but I would like to think they might be in a better position with that this year. Also, it's going to be interesting, too, and, and I know we can't answer this right now, but I think it'll be interesting, too, to hear what R.J. Davis might say about how a player like Elliot Cadu might make him better. Right. I would love to hear what he would say to a man about, hey, uh, how does having a player like Elliot make you a better player, or make you more functional in this offense? Um, especially, well, especially coming from that lengthy uh, athletic article that, that talked about him only wanting to play point guard. And that's where yeah. he sees himself in the future, which um, look, I mean, you have uh, Marcus Howard playing in the you know, he, he got some time in NBA. He, he's playing in the EuroLeague and he's a, you know, probably RJ's size, but his main thing is scoring. Um, so it's not saying RJ can't be a point guard, but he can still play. He can still have the ball in his hands, but he's a gifted scorer and, and shooter. And, and that's where he needs, you know, that's where the team needs him to be. I wanted to just follow up and jump in on the tempo discussion. So Roy Williams' final year at UNC, um, UNC had 71.5 possessions per game, which ranked 43rd in the country. Uh, Hubert Davis's first year, they had 70.2 uh, possessions per game, which was 39th in the country. Last year, there were 68.8 possessions per game, which ranked 99th in the country. So, you know, Hubert's first year was pretty comparable to Roy's last. Obviously, that wasn't a vintage Roy Williams team, um, but we really saw the tempo last year, I think for a variety of reasons, roster construction being one of them, we really saw the tempo kind of uh, tank for, for UNC. That's uh the lowest unc tempo since live radio uh matt doherty's final year in 20 2003 when unc Yikes. had 68.3 possessions per game those stats like the bad offense stats are just absolute cannon fodder for people that hate college basketball and love the nba game like that's exactly what you know i guess basketball junkies don't want to see from the ncaa uh, and that specific product um, so we appreciate everybody getting those questions in here. Uh, shout out to our guy, Larry. Enjoy your trip to uh, Antigua, my man. Um, fellas, before we get out of here tonight, I'm going to ask you, like always, you got two more cents for us to throw into the, the offering plate before we, uh, before we close up shop, Sean. Um, I've got one very, very random one, uh, but was at a, was at a uh, business conference earlier in the week, and one of the guest speakers was a former monk uh, from New York, who is talking about uh, mindfulness and how that can impact the workplace. And uh, he started talking about appreciation and all of a sudden pulls up a photo of Dean Smith and Michael Jordan. And the theme was pointing to the passer and recognizing your coworkers that aren't getting the, the glory. But, uh, you know, thought it was unique that he was pulling up Dean Smith, uh, given, given his background and a lot of people that were watching him, you know, they whipped out their phones and started taking photos of that, that little PowerPoint slide. So, you know, just something cool in terms of the Carolina history and what that, what that means. I appreciate that. It's a lot better than the, 
hackneyed Coach K's book references in the latest season of The Bear. Those of you who have watched that. Uh, Sean, I really thought you were going to talk about the NCAA uh, thing that Sherelle referenced earlier, and you were going to talk about going to Memphis just to get pictures of you with barbecue. Um, so I'm, gl- I'm glad that's not what took place there. Sherelle, you got two more pennies you want, you want to share with the group? Uh, also, random, I, I was watching the UNC Virginia game from the Smith Center earlier this year. Um, it's just that's one of their better offensive games. And I was just like, this is this is rough to watch. I think in the moment, you're like, oh, Carolina's shooting better. That was a game Pete Nance kind of came uh-huh. back and, and shot player better and played better. RJ Davis was on fire. I was like, this is just not good offense. And I think <laughs> when you're in the season, you're like, oh, man, they're, they're playing so much better. Look at it. Well, they at needed that win. They, well, they that, needed it badly. But go the, ahead, first half, the first half was, I remember their points per possession, extremely high. And then that second half was just... Yeah, brutal. <laughs> they kind of they hung on for like for dear life. So anyway, I, th- I just thought that was interesting. Um, to your point about how last year kind of happened. The other thing, uh, James O'Conquo, who is a UNC commit and West Virginia transfer, uh, is scheduled to officially visit. Uh, if you're listening live tomorrow, if you're listening tomorrow today, uh, and so he'll probably get to see UNC's final two practices of the summer. Uh, imagine he'll integrate, you know, try to integrate with the team, get to learn everybody. This is his first visit. Um, to UNC, even though he's already committed. And you can and go I, see all of his uh, FIBA, not just highlights, but pretty much every everything he did uh, in FIBA uh, U20s on, on Inside Carolina. So um, yes, he, he won't be getting that much playing time at UNC, most likely, but I still think a good uh, good signing for this late in the time period. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Cheryl. I actually had it on the run sheet and totally blanked. So I uh, appreciate that. I'm going to point to you, point to you for that, for that, for that assist. <laughs> Um, and, and Sean, uh, yeah, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Sean did a great job of running down Oconquo's video from FIBA and, and my man Moran does not pull punches. Like if there's a garbage shot taken, he calls it as he sees it. So it wasn't just a puff piece. I think that, um, that some people might, might expect and something like this. Sean definitely gave you the, the true dirt boys. That's going to do it for the show tonight. I appreciate everybody who stuck around and has been a part of the show since we started, um, Great questions. Appreciate everybody getting there. Obviously, we can't get to all of them. We try to get to the good ones. We didn't ask your question this week. Hey, stick around. Come back next week. Ask a good question. We'll, we'll eventually get to you. Um, but we really appreciate everybody being a part of the show. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring us. Shout out to John Siegley for doing all the production and making this thing look good when it gets to the YouTube and when it gets to your podcast feeds. But for now, for the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com, and for Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran, I'm just Joey Powell. We will talk to you very, very soon here on InsideCarolina.com. Late.